Well, good morning, King of Kings. Good to see you. We've been talking about the cross, and uh, and then we've talked about living by the cross. It's one thing to talk about the cross. It's another to live by it. And so today we're going to finish up, or at least end that emphasis, and then next Sunday we're going to turn our attention uh, more to Christmas, where your mind already is. Uh, you can't escape it when you go into stores today. And they, they, they were ready after Halloween uh, for Christmas. But anyway, several years ago in my former pastorate, uh, when we came to Christmas season, I, I would develop some type of uh, series. And so, believe it or not, after I retired, I decided to put that, uh, those series in a book. And so I'm going to pull out a couple of those uh, Two Sundays hence, and uh, share some of those with you as we begin to celebrate Christmas. But today, let's think again about the reality of living by the cross that we've sought to study. When I was in college, it's sort of like you, when I took science classes, they usually were accompanied by labs. And the lab was in the afternoon, some of them were three, some of them were four hours long. I, I didn't really like them, especially in the spring of the year, but you would have labs with the science classes, and so you'd go into the lab and you'd have practical hands-on learning of what you were learning in the classroom. So, you know, if I, was, if I were taking biology, you'd go in and you would prepare some slides and you would study cells or see how enzymes work, that sort of a thing, or even dissect something. Or you go to the chemistry lab and you were supposed to measure out things very precisely. I sort of give it a little dab here, a little dab there, like my mother did with her recipes. And you put it in a flask and uh, you put it on a Bunsen burner and sort of see what happened with the interaction of the chemicals. Last Sunday, we were in a classroom learning what it is required to follow the Christ who went to the cross. Jesus said to us in Luke 9, he said, If anyone, anyone wants to come after me, let him take up his cross daily. Let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Well, it's one thing to seek to understand that verse. It's another to live by it, to put it into practice, to go into the lab. And so today, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about some lab work. I think we have labs in our lives. I would call them spheres in which we operate. And uh, it's in those spheres where we need to apply what we have learned about the cross. And thus we say, live by it. Live by the cross. I think there's the sphere of the home. There's the sphere of the church. And then there is the sphere of, uh, of the world. There are three of them. We're not just learning about the cross. We're putting it into practice. And so... This morning I want us to look at least at two of those. I don't think we have time to look at all three, but look at two of those, the home and the church. And what our goal is, is to become fluent in living by the cross. You know, when you took languages uh, in school, how many of us became fluent in that language? You'd like to become fluent in that language, but very few of us do. 
And when you're learning a language, you, you struggle. If it's a foreign language and it's not your native tongue, you know, you look up the word in the dictionary and then you, you wonder if you're pronouncing it correctly, if you put in the accent where it needs to be. And it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. You become fluent in that language. It becomes second nature to you. You don't have to struggle with those things. You just think it and then say it. it wouldn't it be great to be fluent in a language like that? For example, if we were fluent in the gospel, the gospel says if, if you have possessions, if you have something and you see the need of a brother, then meet it. The fluency of the gospel would be to immediately act when you see the need. But we don't do that. What we do, we struggle. I don't know if he's tried hard enough. I don't know if I have enough to help you. I don't know if I have enough time to do this. I don't know if I want to get involved. We go through all of these hesitations and all of these struggles rather than being fluent in the gospel. Well, the same thing is true about being fluent and living by the cross. That we just naturally do it. It's second nature to us. And what would it look like if you and I were fluent in the cross, living by the cross, in the home, and in the church? The world, yes, but at least these two that we have time for today. And so let's begin with the home. When you think about the home, you've got relationships there. You've got the husband-wife relationship. You've got the parent-child, and you've got siblings. How does it look when you're fluent in living by the cross in that sphere, in those relationships. I imagine that all of us know some couples, listen to me carefully, all of us probably have some friends or have some couples that we know that they do not have a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ, but they have a good marriage. They love one another. They're true to one another. You probably have those. I know of folks like that. You admire their marriage. You understand that they love each other. They're committed to one another. But you know they do not have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. So how does that differ from our marriages? When we say that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and we are seeking to live by the cross, what's the difference? You look at their behavior and it looks similar to ours, but there is a big difference. The difference is, is they have natural love. We have natural love, but we also have that opportunity to understand and apply the supernatural divine love, which is the love of the cross. Divine love is the love of the cross. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And the verse that we read a moment ago in 1 John, it says, This is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us. And He gave Himself and His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Divine love is the love of the cross. It's supernatural. It's deep. And that's what you and I have exposure to, an opportunity to know and to apply. It goes deeper. It goes to a greater depth than any kind of natural love. 
And you know when you read Paul's writings, at least in Ephesians, he says marriage, he takes marriage and sees it as a picture of Christ's eternal marriage. His death on the cross and the resultant church. His death on the cross and us. His death on the cross and believers. We're the bride of Christ. He has a marriage. It is the picture of what our marriage ought to be like. And so when you talk about living by the cross, you look at what Christ has done and what Christ expects. And Paul speaks to a lot of that in his book of Ephesians. In verse 21 of chapter 5, he says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. As a husband, you submit to your wife out of reverence for Christ. As a wife, you submit to your husband out of reverence for Christ, whose humble, submissive love led him to the cross. And when you understand that, you begin to understand what submission is. When you understand who Christ is and what Christ did and where he went in his submission, then you begin to get a picture of what submission is. Then Paul goes on in Ephesians 5 and he talks about the equality of the, the, of the pair, the married pair. But then he speaks to their different roles. Equal, but different roles. And unfortunately, he singles out the husband more than he does anyone else. And he says to the husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church, listen to the language, and gave himself for her. That is cross-talk. When you talk about living by the cross, you're talking about in the home, in the lab of the home, in the sphere of the home, you're talking about the husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church, which is a sacrificial love, a laying down of his life. You can't understand the role of the, of the couple in, in a Christian marriage without understanding the cross and understanding what Christ did for us on the cross and how he now acts toward us, his church. He says in Ephesians 5 that the husband is the head of the wife. I know some people who love that one. And I know some people who abuse that one. But when you take headship, it is guarded by the cross. You must understand it according to the cross event and what Christ did. This is not abusive. This is not unloving. It's a role that is bound up in the cross. It is a man denying himself for his wife and loving her with the love of the cross. It is constructive. It is not responding because somebody merits it. It is a response because of the cross. And it is selfless. It is selfless love. In that relationship, there is also security. People say, oh, I wonder if we're going to stay married. I don't know what's going to listen. When you're in a Christian marriage and you operate by the cross and you live by the cross, that relationship is secure, absolutely secure. And the reason I know that, and I know that's the way it ought to be, is because Jesus said to me, this is the new covenant in my blood. I make a covenant with you. 
And it's as if Fred wrote, read a moment ago, heaven and earth can pass away, but what God has said to me is going to stand, and the covenant that He has made with me is not going to be broken. There is absolute security there. Then it goes on and says to the wife, submit yourself to the husband as to the Lord. Submission is guarded by the cross. This is not threatening. This is not resentful. This is free. This is willing. This is the response of the church to the cross, to the Christ who went to the cross for her. So when you live by the cross, it affects everything about your marriage. Everything about your role as a husband, your role and function as a wife. And what you find here in the text that there is a relationship that is forgiving. It is a relationship that is sacrificial. It is a relationship that is unconditional in its love. It is a relationship that is absolutely secure. Well, we'll go on to the parent-child since we've made everybody mad. <laughs> love for the child. You love your children, don't you? And I love mine. You love your grandchildren, don't you? There's natural love for them. But do you understand when you deal with the love of the cross that there's another level to which it can go? And there's a deeper understanding of that love because of the cross. And do you realize that in that divine love, again, with the child, there is a willingness to sacrifice? And you and I don't sacrifice because they necessarily merit it. And you don't sacrifice simply because they thank you. Oh my goodness, in the early years, they don't have a clue what you're doing. They don't have a clue what kind of sacrifice you made. They were born and you started out trying to start a college fund and all the other stuff, and you were up at night when they were trying to learn how to sleep, and they don't understand the sacrifice that you made. But you love them with a sacrificial love because it is the love of the cross. God loved us that way, and we are his children. But he also loved us with a holy love. You remember the Sunday that we talked about that? That God loves us, but you've got to deal with sin. You've got to deal with where we went wrong. And it's a holy love, and he's got to be just. And in his justice, he can temper that with mercy and grace, but there's got to be justice there. And this is the way we deal with our children. Our children are sinful. Our children are depraved. As Proverbs says, there's folly that is bound up in their heart. People who don't believe in the depravity of man, I'll take them to the nursery, and they'll find out real quick that we are depraved. And we need to deal with them in their sin as God dealt with us in our sin at the cross, which is with holy love. It's interesting to me, when you raise children, you almost always hear two phrases. At some point in their lives, you will hear two phrases. Nobody loves me. 
and that's not fair. Right? And the divine love of the cross addresses both of those. Yes, I do love you. But I have to deal with you at the point of your error, wrong, and sin. And I will do it justly, and I can temper it with mercy and with grace, but it has to be dealt with. They don't understand that in the beginning. I would challenge you, though, as your children mature, link your discipline to the cross so that they understand what you're doing. And if you're not doing it by the cross, then you're wrong. But we say to them, this was wrong. And you know it was wrong. Therefore, I love you, but we're going to deal with it as it should be dealt with justly. But mom and dad may apply grace and mercy to it, depending on the circumstances. But I want you to understand why we're dealing with it the way we're dealing with it. The cross affects everything that we do. And every sphere of life. With every relationship. Paul goes on in Ephesians 6 and verse 1 and he says to the child, Obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Children, do you realize that living by the cross means obedience? It means obedience. The cross is about obedience. It's, the cross is about Jesus' obedience to the Father. The cross is about Jesus' obedience and submission to the will of the Father. And so when you talk about the child's role in the cross, it is obedience. It's a whole lot more, folks, than because I said so. And that's what we do sometimes in our frustration. Child in the beginning doesn't understand his role according to the cross. What we do as parents is to bring them under the authority our authority, parental authority, so that we can teach them, and we teach them obedience. Have you ever wondered where your authority came from as a parent? Why do I have this authority? All authority in Scripture is given. God has ultimate authority, and He gives it. You remember what Jesus said in the commission before He ascended? He said, all authority is given unto me. Father gave it to me. God gives us authority, parental authority, and you and I use that biblically to bring the child under the authority so that we can teach them to obey, which is living by the cross. That's how you follow Jesus. And later on when they mature, and later on when they grow up and when they make their commitment to Christ and solidify that commitment to Christ, what you do, you transfer their obedience from you to Him. When your child is 40 years of age and has three children, they don't obey you anymore. The Bible says that then they honor you. So what you do, you transfer them to Christ and they begin to obey Him and understand His obedience and their obedience to Him. And so when we teach them to obey, we're preparing them for cross-living, living by the cross. 
And then in the home, there's also the siblings, the interaction of brother and brother and sister and brother, and you know how that works and how it worked with you. What do we do? What do we do with the living by the cross with that? We teach them to value one another, to forgive one another because of the cross. And as they mature, they need to understand that they are not only naturally related, but they also are related spiritually. Hey, guess what? This is not just your brother. This is not just your sister. This is your sister in Christ. This is your, sister, your brother in Christ. And you're to treat him. How many places in Scripture does it talk about how to treat your brother and sister in Christ? So you can tell your children, you need to love your brother, you need to love your sister, you need to love your siblings. If you don't like that part, then take the verse that says, love your neighbor. You don't like that one, then take the verse that says, love your enemy. You can't get out of it. It's what we said a moment ago in 1 John when we read the script. Love is of God and you love one another. You can't get away from it. It is the way we live by the cross. So we teach them that. And then quickly a couple things on the church in practical terms. The lab work, the sphere. <clears throat> Living by the cross also involves the church. Let me give you three things here quickly. If we live by the cross, it ought to motivate our worship. Now, I've led people in worship for many, many years. And I've had, of course, parishioners for over 40 years as a pastor. I know how they think. know how I think. What they're singing today. Who's preaching? And then you leave and say, I didn't get a thing out of that. <laughs> well, I know I've heard all the stuff and I've heard all the statements and I know what everybody wants and what everybody desires. <clears throat> but when you live by the cross, actually, the cross motivates your worship. You see, there's something higher than... I, I understand that the song and the speaker and... What he spoke on and all that stuff is important. I understand that because I'm with you. There are some that I hear that have done something more for me than another at a particular time. But listen, there's a higher motivation. And it's the cross. And it's like Revelation 5 when they, they kneel and they kneel around the throne and they say, Worship and praise and honor and glory to the Lamb on the throne. That's the motivation. It's the cross. When it comes to church, motivation for our worship. It's also, as we read a moment ago in 1 John 4, it's loving one another. Our love is motivated by several things, but it ought to be a higher motivation than personality, compatibility, likability. I know you go home and say of some, you know, I like them, but they're a little weird, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, you like her, well, you know, they're sort of weird. 
And we have all of those in the church. There are people in this body called King of Kings that you like more than others simply because of compatibility and things in common. I understand that. There's a higher motivation. It's not just a matter of likability. It's not just a matter of compatibility. John said, we love one another and we love them with the love of the cross. And the love of the cross is sacrificial. It is selfless. And then it also motivates our, our service. The cross ought to motivate our service. The scripture says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Notice the part of the cross and give his life a ransom for many. It is the cross that ought to motivate our service. And I know in any church, and I had it in mind, Pastor, you're going to have to speak to the people. You're going to have to tell them we need help in the nursery. We need help down with the children. We need more teachers. We need this. We need that. And so you would get up and you would put out the plea. Listen, folks. And if you needed to, you could put a little guilt trip on them. <laughs> so that they would sort of drag themselves out of there if they didn't respond. I know that there is a sense of guilt when it comes to, to serving. If you don't do it and you should do it, and I know there's a plea that goes out and sometimes our response to it. But folks, ultimately, there's a higher motivation. And it's living by the cross. I'm motivated by the cross, but the Christ that went to the cross for me, he didn't come to be served, he came to serve. You know what happens when you serve? When you step up and serve, then you identify the spiritual gift that Christ has given you in the body to edify it. People would always ask me, well, Pastor, how do, how do I know my gift? And they would sit still until they tried to figure that out. I said, quit sitting still. You find it, you discover it in action. You rise, you say, yes, I will serve. And you will say, hmm, this one isn't for me. But ultimately, you will find the place where Christ wants you to be and what He has gifted you to do. And in doing that, you will edify and strengthen the body and build it up in Christ, who is the head. And it's all motivated by the cross. And it is a service that is done in humility. When you get in here, the pride is out the door. Because He is the Christ who took up the towel... He washed the feet was a picture of the cross that was coming. That's the way we serve. And so what I want you to understand is that you can take a verse like, how do I, how do I follow Christ? Well, he said, anyone can do that. But to do it, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. Okay, I'm going to try to do that. I want to do that. But understand that there's spheres, there's lab work. This is where it gets tough. You go to the lab. Hands-on application, hands-on learning. And everywhere you go, <coughs> home, church, back out into the world for the work tomorrow, whatever, there is a learning and a living by the cross. 
and this book tells us how to do it. And I will say this, and you know it's true. Whenever there's an issue, whenever there's an issue between husband and wife, child, parents, siblings, whenever there's an issue at church, and whenever there's an issue out in the world, if you look back, you probably will discover somebody's not living by the cross. And we need to rectify it. The cross is a wonderful subject. It is as with Stott, who studied it all of his life and then put, it, put a lot of his work in that great, that great book, The Cross. I would recommend it to you highly. It is a wonderful subject to study, but it is a great subject to live by. Not only seek to understand it, but for us, the ongoing challenge until Jesus comes is living by it in every sphere of our lives. Pray with me. Father, that's what we want to do. We want not only just to follow you, we want to follow you in every area of our lives and understand the cross and its application for living in relationships, in spheres of home and church and world, that you will use us as great testimonies because as followers of Christ, we live by the cross. In the name of Christ we pray.